0: I don't know if you've listened to last week's episode yet, Trent, but we uh, used Nath's intro. <laughs> oh, you finally listened to me. That's great.
1: I'm going to send you the actual, I'm going to attach it this week so that it, because it cuts out a little bit when I was watching it. I will send you the original so that it's a little bit cleaner. Anyway, it's fantastic.
0: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. The, the version that I have does cut out and is quite short, <laughs> but hilarious. Yes. It's very good. So I hope all of our listeners are enjoying Nath's dulcet tones for I don't know, we'll leave it for a while. We'll see. Possibly the day will come when I get sick of it and decide to go back to actual music. Or maybe, you know, one of the various faction musicians will write us a tune. I mean, Nath can Nath
2: did write the tune, right? He was the he was the stand in <laughs> musician.
1: Yeah, I can come up with something.
0: That's true. Actually, what I'd love is uh, just some backing for Nate's vocals, <laughs> really. I don't want anything new, but just some backing behind Nate's vocals.
1: Some harmony. I love it.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Even better if you can just remix Nath's, like, that clip to make harmonies and stuff. Even better. So, there you go.
1: Challenge. Open challenge.
0: Yeah, open, open to all. <laughs> Anyone who has time to waste, go ahead. I always find it's interesting when we have time to waste because some of the things that come up in our chat, some of the memes that come up, and I'm always like, ah, oh, I see this person doesn't have much work to do today.
1: Yes, people have become quite talented at uh, finding applications on their phone that just, you know, very quite nicely actually, just uh, make some make some really funny things happen. So yeah.
0: Anyway. Welcome to the Faction Podcast. We're back. Uh, we we kind of did miss a week there, even though last time I was like, we're back every week. And then uh, we didn't play Magic for a week, so we skipped a week. <laughs> but we're back and we've actually played Magic this week. Uh, I know, so quickly to go through the events, I played at POG last Thursday and played sort of the weekly Pioneer event, which is good. We got 12 people down, which is a pretty good size. I played my Esper Humans list, which... I'm having a lot of fun playing with and tinkering with. Uh, and I managed to go for 0 which was good. Some tight games. Some, I went to turns in the human's mirror because the board just got so stalled out in game one. Like We were both sitting there with six creatures each looking at each other going, well, I can't attack, so it's your go. I was surprised at that. Game one, I just couldn't find a pyre. And he just kept putting like a ton of creatures in play and I would answer all his Mantis Riders and then we'd sit there looking at each other. <laughs> So I ended up winning in turns. Got there, um, and then Nathan, I believe you, Brayden, and Tristan all played a store championships at Box Hill on Saturday as well. Yeah. How did that go? Some
1: of us had some wins, and most of us didn't. I think uh, I think we were all down the bottom end of the table, the faction boys. So not a not one to to, to talk about in much detail. But you know, again, <laughs> a lot of different decks. Um, I don't think that there was any more than two copies of the same deck in the room, and there was twelve
0: both players there as well, I think. Yeah, nice. The way Braden described it to me was he was done in three and a half hours. He went 0-4, but he was involved in two-thirds of the faction wins. <laughs> Monogreen's dead. Uh, you heard it here first. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we will get to that in the meta, but yeah, spoilers. Is Monogreen dead? Certainly it's dead when Braden's playing it. Dear God, that boy cannot draw for anything. No. So I watched him play at POG because he was the other faction member there, and at one point I watched him just like have a strong start against uh, who was it against it was Sam Loy actually and he was playing Esper Grace Fang. and I watched some sort of he, Braden played out his thing Sam Loy sort of interacted a little bit and then we got to this actually no that was against Bassa, who was playing Jeskai Ascendancy, and he had these turns where I was like if he draws anything he probably wins and he just drew like land land elf elf land it was so painful green
1: has got a bit of air in it if you're not
0: doing anything yep yeah it sure does uh, and we'll get to it, but I think, yeah, people have adapted a bit. I know Tristan was playing Heroic. That's right. Which is looking good. And you were playing Blue Red Delver? Blue Red Delver, yep, that's right. So, again, Blue Red decks, pretty popular at the moment. Um, and mono green trending down. You have also been playing Red Black a little bit recently, right?
1: Yeah, for the last couple of days. Um, picked it up, kept uh, getting frustrated losing to, to creature decks and wanted to pick up the, you know, 15 pieces of removal deck.
2: Is this the the dog shit red black mid range deck that people still make work?
1: Yes, yes it is. I I don't I didn't understand why it was good until I realized that all the decks that beat mono green are creatures and are really bad if you remove all their creatures. And so, like I said, the <laughs> the deck with the most efficient removal and the best way to trigger a uh, fatal push revolted is uh, it's got to be good. Uh, I think it's a meta call, but yeah, it's been pretty good so far.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: I think Kalidus is also pretty well positioned at the moment and uh, the like kiki-jiki saga just sort of smooths out a lot of your awkwardness you know you get to discard the fatal pu- the like fatal push that's dead or the thoughts that you drew too late and it sort of ramps you and it makes two bodies and one of the bodies combos with things like blood tithe harvester and you get sort of like some incidental graveyard hate from trespasser so it's it is very much like a, a jund mid-range 52%
1: I uh, I think uh, the fable that you briefly mentioned is is one of the best cards in the deck and probably one of the most powerful cards in uh, in the format at the moment. It's just not seeing a lot of play, so
0: it's gotta be the, it's gotta be the best card in the deck. It's
1: yeah. definitely the best card in the deck.
0: Yep, I think it's I agree with you. It's one of the best cards in the format. Like the best cards in the format are like treasure cruise, legislator, the fable of the mirror breaker, Nick Yep, and then all the other decks are like synergy slash. Metagame decks that are putting together a bunch of subpar cards to prey on a specific like metagame weakness. So, so like like mono blue spirits, for example, it's a bunch of shit cards and curious obsession that like work in a specific metagame because mono green's weak to that stuff, you know. But like the cards aren't very good,
1: and I think red black's a meta choice as well. But
0: uh... Yep. that has put up results. Uh, for me, so I mentioned I'm playing Esper, and then over the last couple of days, I have started experimenting with a fourth color because. Uh, the deck gets eight, like tribal lands, so you can do some really dumb things with the mana. I also worked out like the Esper deck. I was playing the mana base was rubbish. I had like one blue land, so I only had nine blue sources for my like hostage taker and four reflector mages, which is not really enough. So I went and rebuilt it with some red cards to play uh, unlucky witness and Judith because I've seen that kicking around just to try kind of try them out, um, which meant I spent a bunch of time tinkering with the mana base trying to. It actually does get difficult to play four colors and also Adeline's double white. And then the hard part is actually the sideboard thought seasons and fatal pushes. Try and get enough black sources for them. So it's a work in progress. But so far, Unlucky Witness has been good. It's just like another one drop that people don't want to block and that like you can sacrifice to things to get value. And basically the one drops in humans in Pioneer at the moment aren't very good, but you just need this density of one drops for like Thalia's Lieutenant and for Pyre and for... In my build, Priest of Forgotten Gods. You just need, like, random bodies, preferably, that replace themselves.
1: It's a pretty good one to sector the Priest, yeah.
0: Yeah, it is. And that's why the one-drops are, like, that and Inspector bloodstain Champion, uh, blood soak Champion. It's all just, like, random things to put counters on and attack with to trigger Adeline. And, you know, like, you kind of don't care if they die. If they trade for a creature, it's amazing. Experimenting with that. I've just played, actually, you mentioned Red Black. I just played a sick match against Fred Black where I nearly timed out, partly because I was multitasking. But game one went 30 minutes because they had two main deck Kalitas they had to fight through. I like hostage taker their Kalitas and then cast it and then like flickered my hostage taker and took their Bonecrusher Giant and then they played like another host- another Kalidus that I had to like bounce to fight through. It was it was a very long game. <laughs> In terms of the meta, mono green is dead? Question mark.
1: Yeah, it's um. Falling out of favour from what I can see, uh not a lot of people picking it up online, but, but more importantly, um I think that, you know, if we were to look at maybe the top four or five decks, a lot of them got a lot of tools to, to beat um to beat Monogreen. Even um even Redplex playing uh what's that invoke despair, which is kind of spicy against them. So I, I think that's a sign of a healthy format, but um I don't think uh Monogreen is this unbeatable behemoth like it was uh, you know, when Winota was around.
0: Yeah, for sure. I've also seen red black play epic downfall, and some of the blue red decks have adopted lava-, lava coil to exile some of the green creatures as well. Mm-hmm. So there has been a swing back. I know in the like online challenges, I think there was, I think it was just two challenges on Modo this weekend, and I don't think there was any mono green in either top thirty two, which is super like it had. It's kind of been all over the top 32 for the past few weeks, but really died down this week.
1: Yeah, I think it's avoided the top 8 for a couple of weeks, but it's there's been a couple copies in the top 16, top 32, so that that's pretty surprising.
0: Yeah, exactly. And instead, the the three decks we see at the top are Red, Black, Blue, Red, mostly Blue, Red, Phoenix, but I think we've talked about this before, I know you've talked about, like, it sort of doesn't matter what... The, the threats you put around the Blue, Red deck aren't as important as the core of, like... Treasure crews and cheap spells.
1: Yeah, Legitritor.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's kind of like whether you put Phoenixes or like Young Pyromancers is kind of... It doesn't matter as much. Um, and the third deck actually that's come up is Blue-White Control has been putting up a lot of good results, which is interesting to me. Not a deck I've played at all and not a deck that you see all that much in Magic Online leagues either. Or I haven't... I know there was one at Pog last Thursday, but I haven't seen it that much in paper either. So I don't know if... A super good idea of uh, what, sort of how the deck is positioned.
1: Uh, you know, it's always that, that thing where if uh, if you have a well-timed or, or fast hand, disruptive hand, uh, Blue White can struggle, but um, the Wandering Emperor is insane. Um, yep. Feels like every time that gets put on the stack, I, I lose. Doesn't matter what deck I'm playing. Yeah,
0: it just puts you in such a brutal bind because... The play pattern of basically they always get to untap with it, right? Mm-hmm. It basically always comes down, kills a thing, and then they untap with it. And that's just a lot to deal with. Surely it's bad against the
2: blue tempo decks, though, right? Like Spell Pierce, Lofty Denial, those things just check Wandering Emperor right out of the format. Actually, don't think that card's very good at all. Yeah, it's probably true. Could
1: be right, but that's one archetype, right?
2: <laughs> well, it's it's blue spirits, blue all blue red variants, so. Delva, Arclight, Control. Yeah, that's fair. Like it's it's a fair it is a fair hit I believe of the format. I don't actually think Wondering Emperor is the reason why what, what why Blue White actually looks good, but it definitely looks like it's very good against Red Black dog shit. Yeah, like you know, those mid range kind of strategies and Mono Green and stuff like that.
0: Yeah, yeah. But yeah, yeah,
2: Lofty Denial makes that thing look real silly.
0: Yeah, that's fair. I think it's it's good against the creature decks basically but not very good against the counterspell decks which is uh, an interesting place to be at the moment uh, and then the fourth deck that has been popular is actually Boros Heroic it's been putting up results which is interesting to see because I think that initially came up as a predator of mono green, and it's one of the decks that falls right in what you were talking about Nath where it just sort of really struggles with 15 removal spells out of red black mm-hmm. so I also think that's one that it struggles with it. It's also, my experience of playing heroic decks is pilot skill matters a lot because knowing, like, how much to commit to your threats and how to play around removal with your god's willings and that kind of thing and, like, how to spread around your combat tricks when you have multiple creatures, those decisions matter a lot because if you load up on one creature and get blown out, it's, like, really, really bad, obviously. I
1: think it gets even harder with the Illuminator Virtuoso. You know, having to discard real cards is, you know... A higher cost than just trying to trigger your creature and put a counter on it. So I think uh, the the skill pattern kinda even higher, even more um even more pronounced.
0: Yeah, for sure. I think
2: that uh, I think that red white is just infect in modern
0: mm-hmm.
2: whereby it's it's a meta, it's a just a correct meta choice. Like I don't actually think the deck is quote unquote a good deck. Uh because it gets checked by yeah, you know, it just gets destroyed by all the removal spells, the Thoughtseize decks, like the red-black decks of the format. But if you check the field and you think, "Oh, I'm going to play against mo-, like," there's a lot of mono-green, or there's like spirits in the in the in the room on the top tables, where the best players are playing like non-interactive ship in the night kind of decks. Then you're just going to have a really good time. But if you sit down against the Nathan Drew Walens of the world, you're like never going to be able to win a match because. You know, it doesn't get, it doesn't start off good. Game one, it only gets worse after board. Yep, totally agree. You have no, you have no plan B. Like, you, you, in fact, never had a plan B. You know, like it's outside of, become Immensing a and noble hierarch, right? But you don't even yep. have that. So, yeah, I, I, again, I think it's, uh, if you were to go into an RCQ weekend, you would have to, if you were going to play red white heroic, I think you would have two decks slaved up in your bag. You would scout the room first. And say, oh, boy, there's a lot of Lanor elves in this room. Mm-hmm. Time to sleep up red-white. As opposed to, holy shit, there's a lot of Thought Seasons and Fatal Pushes. Guess I'll go to my red-black deck, you know what I mean?
0: Yeah, for sure. I think that is definitely, like, it is one of the decks where your matchups are really polarized, and if you run into the right matchups, you're going to roll people over, and if you run into a bunch of red-black and blue-white control, you're going to have a really bad day. And as well, like when when Boris heroic loses, it loses so badly. Like <laughs> yeah, you 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 sit there with like four four um combat tricks in hand and like no creature in play. Like you, it looks embarrassing.
2: Yeah, okay. I know that thing in the ice is not a big thing in the format, but if, like if your blue Red opponent just puts thing in the ice on the battlefield. Like what like what happens? Like what yeah. what do you do? Like the game the games the game's over. Yeah, reckless rage will bust. Yeah.
0: Yeah, basically. Um... I will say, so I have been watching old Magic coverage just while doing sort of inane work, filling out, you know, like really boring stuff. And so I've just been watching random old coverage. And specifically, I've been watching some modern from around Modern Horizons, like just before and just after, back when... Like, Blue Red Phoenix was the best, or one of the best decks. Obviously, it wasn't the best deck with Hogak around, but...
2: Hogak was coming on the scene, yeah.
0: Oh, boy. It's, like, I'd forgotten Manamorphose things with Thing in the Ice is just absurd, and, like, all of the free spells and, like, the main deck surgical extractions and stuff. I watched someone actually use Pyromancer's Ascension to draw their entire deck, put all four thing in the eye put all four phoenixes in play, bolt their opponent six times and kill them from like deal thirty to them in one turn. It was fantastic. Love it. So good. Love that. But uh, the point being to contrast that to Pioneer, in Pioneer you know that even if when your opponent plays turn two thing in the ice, they can't flip it on turn three. There's no way to flip it on turn three. So you you sort of have that knowledge of you at least get one turn there.
1: <laughs> Everybody gets one. <laughs> <laughs>
0: But I think it's, it is a big difference like you, you mentioned heroic like one of the ways they beat Thing in the Ice is like being on the plane and playing a turn 2 Illuminator Virtuoso and just like killing their opponent on turn 4
1: yeah that with Invigorated Rampage is a really quick way to kill your opponent it's mm-hmm. terrifying yeah
0: yeah but I agree Thing in the Ice against heroic uh, painful painful when your opponent passes with mana up in like one counter and it's like well you have to go first
1: I hope they don't have it <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah so at the moment I'd say uh, for me the top tier has sort of become blue white red black blue red decks um, and then the second tier is probably like boros heroic mono green you know mono blue still around a little bit though that deck is the same as heroic where it's very much a meta deck um, because it really struggles against blue red or uh, blue red and red black and then I'm down the bottom playing pyre of heroes because you can't take Birthing Pot away from me, you know?
2: Yeah, that's fair. Where's the Bolas Citadels of the World? Uh, they're on a different page, mate. <laughs> they are certainly on a different page. <laughs> I'm just wondering why.
0: I did play, so a couple of weeks ago, Trent and I were talking about sort of the, what I think of as the Turbo Citadel deck. So when we think of John Sack, this is, it's actually more of a green black deck with like four Bolas of Citadel, all of the Mana Torques, you know, Priests of Forgotten Gods, the. What's the the treasure creature? Uh, prosperous innkeeper. And in these decks, they're just trying to like ramp out bolus the citadel, and then once they have it in play, they actually often just kill you on the same turn because of prosperous innkeeper gaining life and playing things like Woast rider and catacomb sifter. You can actually just like play your deck and then scry through and kill them in one turn, which is sweet. But those decks haven't really been seen in tournaments.
2: Yeah, I had a quick look today, just because. Uh, of- finally got a little bit of time off and it just it looks like it's definitely um homogenized the format it doesn't look like there's for the uh for the tournaments at least doesn't look like there's much quote unquote nonsense or like uh i guess i guess there's a um there's a tier list forming you know uh, which is good because it means that the format is being played enough that people are respecting what is good and what isn't good
0: yeah it's interesting because i think there is a tier list forming but it's also a very it's like fairly diverse i would say you know there are six seven eight decks that i would consider completely playable and like reasonable choices even if some of them are fairly strongly meta choices rather than like powerful decks but there are quite a lot of decks but then you're right there's this big drop off afterwards we no longer see like esper grease fang or Jun citadel or like a lot of these decks that you to you'd see like one in a top 32 have sort of dropped off lotus field as well actually lotus field still usually puts up like one result that deck's not good though. Don't play it.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think it's still got soft edges this uh, this format, but um, yeah, it's starting to firm up.
0: Why is
2: Lotus felt not good currently? Is it just because of the thing I said before about lofty denials and spell pierces?
0: Yeah, well, so that's like a nightmare matchup. Uh, but all the other decks are just too fast. Apart from red black, red black's a good matchup for you, but like heroic is about as fast as you. Mono blue and blue red are just nightmare matchups because they're fast and have counter spells. It's just it's it's really hard. You're a little bit too slow now, I think. The other thing is Humans decks continue to iterate. There's like so many versions of human decks at this point. The The Sunday Pioneer Challenge on Moto had like two different Human decks in the top eight and then another one further down and the Saturday Challenge had a different... So like, Mono White finished second in the Saturday Challenge. Uh, Four Color Paya finished third on Sunday and Bant finished eighth on Sunday. So it was just like... Again, basically pick whatever colors you like for humans. Decide whether you want Pyre or Collector Company and you can basically fill it out and mostly this is all enabled by these free tribal lands you get to play. You play whatever colors you want.
1: That
2: is pretty cool. I think it's got
1: to be a healthy format when uh, when you can play humans and it's not awful.
0: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
2: It certainly makes me feel good about uh, uh, Mayhem Devil, that's for sure.
0: Yeah, Mayhem Devil against humans is pretty Mm. brutal. Not, not a fan of that one.
1: Yeah, played a little bit of the new look on um on the red black sacrifice deck. So it's dropped down um, anvil mm-hmm. in favor of obnixus and putting some uh, Mayhem Devil triggers on the stack is very satisfying. So I'm uh, definitely with you on that, Trent.
2: <laughs>
0: yep. Mm, yeah, yeah. Mayhem Devil is a powerful one.
2: I would imagine uh, that Obnixus is just for the blue white matchup. Uh, it's very
1: good there, and against green, it's really good as well.
2: But Nexus is good against green,
1: surely not.
0: Why is it good against green?
1: Uh, because it ends the game really quickly. Fair enough.
0: Yeah, I guess so. I,
2: I don't, I, I, don't know. I'm, yeah, I have no idea.
1: Yeah, four damage is a lot if they don't have a trample. Oh,
0: yeah. because of the yeah, sure. I guess uh, sure. sure. Yeah, you just make two and you like four of them yep. repeatedly, and they and they don't have card range, so like discarding cards is kind of painful for them. Yeah, I can see that. Uh, And for for Shane, there was one Enigmatic Incarnation deck in the top eight. Over the weekend, the player was a motor grinder and he said, the deck was bad, don't play it. What deck was this, sorry? (laughs) The Enigmatic Incarnation. They're like... Oh, yeah. Love that. Love that. Yeah, he tweeted afterwards going, like, basically, I top eighted, the deck was bad, though, don't play it. Hell, yeah. Love to hear it. Uh, But, you know, that sort of deck is the sort of deck that, like, people are going to play it because they love it and they're just going to keep playing it and it doesn't matter what its position is like. And it's a toolbox deck, so they'll tell themselves that they can tech for anything.
1: It is cool. Like, it is cool doing the thing, but... uh... It is
0: super cool. It's also hilarious to me that Shane, who is so vehemently against Commander, is playing this (laughs) deck.
1: (laughs) Yeah, when Shane said that he built it, I thought he was joking. And I still kind of think he's joking. But I've seen (laughs) a
0: screenshot of the deck in front of him.
1: Uh, Photo, so... I think it's real. (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> I'm just looking at the list now and like the creatures there's 16 creatures it's 2 2 ofs and 12 one ofs. like <laughs> hilarious like some of these cards are just good like ha- really there's only like one Skyclave apparition like one one deputy of detention there's a main deck idolon of Rhetoric in this deck like
1: yeah because you only need to find one because you need to a carnation for it it's fine
0: can't get away from
2: birthing pod <laughs>
0: Yep. The, also, the idea of playing, so your deck is it's it's really, really built around Enigmatic Incarnation, right? But you're a Yorion deck, so you have 80 cards.
1: Yeah, that's kind of funny too.
0: I get it. Your enchantments all have E2Bs, so you like you want to flick at them, and you're a Fires Invention deck. But also, imagine if you just had Enigmatic Incarnation on turn 4, like 33% more of the time.
1: Yeah, but you get Yorion, and Yorion's cool.
2: Is it? specifically definitely not the term I would use.
0: Yeah, I think it's... <laughs> I think own's like, maybe more obnoxious than Lurus was. No. In paper, though, 80-card decks?
1: No. It's definitely way more funny watching your opponent shuffle 80 cards than 60 cards, especially if they've double-sleeved them.
2: Funny or frustrating, because <laughs> you're just losing time, not just for the fact that you've got to play against an 80-card control deck, but the fact that your opponent cannot shuffle 80 cards normally. Yeah. It's doubly frustrating.
1: I thought it was funny, but then I thought about it more. I'm on board.
0: <laughs> yeah. not gonna lie. I so played paper last week, and that is the second paper event I've played in, a, like non Highlander event in month like years now. Paper event, and as I say, like that humans mirror when we went to time, we played game one. It was like kind of long, but we weren't. We we're playing at, like a normal pace, but it's like semi complicated board. And I finished game one and looked at the clock and. And said to her, I was like, Well, we have 16 minutes a game for the next two games. And we both like were like, Oh, right, yeah. And, and started playing much faster because it was like, Right, I remember now that's like paper. There's all you lose all this time shuffling and you know, like sideboarding and stuff. And just like you lose so much time compared to playing online. And also, like, you get a draw rather than like having the clock battle. So,
1: yeah, I've gotten very used to the Moto chess clock. I um, I found as well, just you just. Time evaporates real quickly when you're playing a paper. Yep. Something to look out for for the ICQs the next month.
0: Mm, for sure. So that's kind of where the meta is at. The big thing is Monogreen falling down. It's super wide open, still lots of decks you can play, which leads me to what I sort of wanted to pick Trent's brain about a little bit, which is obviously, you know, you have a fair bit of experience playing competitive magic and at a pretty high level you've played Pro Tours, you've played RPTQs, that kind of thing. So my question for you, and obviously Nath feel free to weigh in as well, is how do you go about picking a deck for, in this case, it's like a RCQ season, but also for a bigger event like a Pro Tour or an RCQ? And you know, are there differences? Are there similarities between those um, those processes for you? Oh boy, um, <laughs> so
2: i'm really bad at picking decks so i know what you're supposed to do i never did it but um like you just its it's going to be harder now because there's a lot less information right there's no grand prix there's no seg circuits there's none of that kind of uh like information that you can just feed off which again makes it really difficult but i think if you are to pick if you are like say you've got like infinite say for instance uh you've got infinite money right you just you can buy whatever deck or buy purchase whatever card i think you just have to look at what's doing well in the big tournaments the week before you have to be playing the event like you have to be playing practicing like you have to be um not just putting the practical mindset into play but also just actually putting the uh the pen to paper as so to speak um like having a Mana Traders account, finding time after work to, like, play the leagues and develop your own opinions and finding the interesting spots. Um, realistically, that's, like, the only thing that you can do that is actually, like, good. Quote, like, quote-unquote good. Um, you can definitely find your lane, like, the perfect example is, um... So I played a bunch of Pioneer a while back and then, um obviously started with the store and and getting busy and stuff. So I haven't played a whole lot, but I found a little bit of time to look at a list a while back. And that's actually why I was playing the the Jun deck, right? And I was like, I picked up the deck and did really well in a league, played that Thursday night. And I got the feel for that the deck at the time, like this is a few weeks ago. So obviously the format's evolved, but uh, I said to Ian straight, I'm like, this deck's power level is really high. Like this is doing something that is, uh, quote unquote broken in the format and those things are really those things are really important to be able to realize as well so that's why you have to get your like get your teeth into the format and understand like when you look at a list and you get to play the list and feel well is this list good is it is it consistent does it does it run out in does it run out the way that it looks like it does on paper uh is it good against the the matchup does it work on the draw like there's so many things that go into it right now um i think it's probably the toughest time to pick, a, to pick a deck as well, because, like I said, you don't have all that information. Um, and there's no clearance as to what the best deck is, right? Like, pre-Streets of Nukipenna, Monogreen was the best deck. Everyone was clamoring like, oh, this is the best deck. This is the only thing you should be doing in the format. If you want to play the channel, like the mana trader events and that, you should be playing Monogreen because it is the best deck. That's definitely not the case anymore, and it looks like the format's shaken out to be different but it's really hard to tell without putting pen to paper and developing your own opinions. Uh, And then listening to surrounding yourself with other people who are like minded and want to have the same success as you do is really important too. Uh, If you can find people that have the same mindset, but actually have more experience when it comes to doing these kind of events, that helps a lot too. Uh, That's obviously really hard to find at the moment, but um. Yeah, I guess there is a few a few things that come to my head immediately about how like the best way is to approach the format, of choosing a deck.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. I think you're right. There is like we can we can give tips and you can consume content and that kind of thing, like like this podcast. But in the end, the way you get really familiar with formats and have the best idea is just to get in the weeds and play games. And there's a lot of, I think even just like play patterns that you come to recognize and, and you sort of can sense almost what's going to happen before it happens like um, to use an example from humans one of the common play patterns playing against red black is if they pass with two mana up they almost always have sh- stomp so you learn to play around that you play two wonder drops instead of playing Thales, that kind of thing like and that's that's something that partly just comes from having seen that situation before um, and also I would second yeah what you said about if you can have more people who share those insights with you, it obviously makes everything much easier and and you get much more information. Um, as an example, I haven't played any mono green, but I feel like I have a reasonable handle on what the deck does from playing against it, but also just from talking to Nate, who has played many, many games of it and, and getting his insight. So that's a huge advantage if you can get it as well.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think the best way to pick a deck for, for Pioneer at the moment is... Um, find something that's in the top half of the field that you like. Um, I think if you're playing a deck that you enjoy, you're going to win more games than something you are kind of forcing yourself to play because it's better than you know, quote unquote, better than something else. So, yep. I think um, you know, having having a game of uh, of all of them, seeing what you like and um, making some decisions based off that. You know, knowing your deck, enjoying your deck is gonna it's gonna be a lot more valuable than chasing whatever's better in the in the meta, unless you know what the meta is going to be.
0: Yeah. And, you know, look, sometimes there's a Hogek deck and you should just play that deck, but <laughs> that's not true in this format at the moment. I don't think at the moment there are, I mean, there's game movement from week to week and there's a lot of decks that on any given week can be good. And the other thing is, I think, we're talking about the meta and we're talking about predominantly the online meta and how that moves because it moves much faster than the paper meta. When you get to RCQs, it won't necessarily be following that. Like, I mean, we've spent this podcast talking about the downfall of Monogreen. When I played last Thursday at POG, a quarter of the field was Monogreen. There were three Monogreen decks, you know, and one of them did pretty well. Like, the deck is trending down online, but for people who own that deck, they're going to bring that deck anyway. So I would also say, in terms of picking the best deck, especially for like an RCQ level tournament, there is some amount of, yeah, pick a deck and stick to it because it's actually really hard to, Predict a local meta game anyway. Yeah, I
1: agree, and I think that just makes your sideboard plan a lot more crucial. You know, you just got to be aware that um, yeah, got to be prepared for all these matchups. Got to know what you're happy to lose to and what you're not happy to lose to, and and uh, adjust accordingly.
0: We, we had anything else to say on that, or any other? T- what What else would you like to talk about, Trent? Especially you, given I know you're a busy man, so. Not necessarily going to be on as often uh, as you used to. So if you got anything you want to talk about, come to Pog. Pog's gas. Yep, <laughs> that's what I. That's that's
2: my parting words. Come to <laughs> come to Pog. It's gas. That's that's it. I got nothing else to say. Come play Pioneer. Come play Double Masters. Come hang out. It's
0: gas. Before you go, actually, what has it been like being behind the counter uh, as someone who obviously has spent a lot of time in game stores, a lot of time playing Magic over the last decade, decade and a half, to now be behind the counter? What is it like? What surprised you? What's what's different? It's been awesome. I should have done it 13 years ago.
2: I should have. It's, it's fantastic. Um, yeah, it's just sweet. It's, I really enjoy dealing with the customers and dealing with the community helping people, uh, seeing people grow from week to week. I know that that's like such a cliche thing to say, especially considering I've only been open for, we have only been open for a month, but in that month, we've gone from having people walk in the store to having regulars to having people feel unsure about what they're walking into to somebody, to people who are literally coming in on their weekends because they feel more comfortable in the store than they do sitting at home on their own computer. So, watching that and seeing that evolution is phenomenal um yeah just servicing the community giving people things that they needed after COVID or what people wanted um it's awesome it's it's so good i uh yeah i love it i actually i i love my job um i think it's yeah something i should have done a long long time ago and uh yeah i hope like the first month and that has been fantastic from our perspective of people coming through the door and the situation that we found ourselves in. And I hope that we can just go from strength to strength. The community response has been really good. The community support, the support from the faction and and everyone else has been great. So yeah, I don't, all I can say is it's gas. Um, I love my job and I love the, love the community that, you know, chose to get involved with what, 10, 11 years ago. I love being involved with it and surrounded by it and watching it grow and hopefully be able to support it for uh, years to come as long as, you know, the game continues to support the player. So, yeah, it's been awesome. Oh, yeah. Yeah.
1: And how is it uh, being a commander player now, Trent?
2: I have a 50% win rate. <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's
2: pretty good. Yeah, commander's awesome. <laughs> um, It's really good. And I don't just say that tongue-in-cheek. It is uh, actually really good uh it's a really enjoyable way to play magic um it's good to switch i mean it's not even that like I was going to say it's good to switch the competitive side off but realistically i don't even know if i have a competitive side anymore because just watching people play commander and hear laughter and get involved with you know the ga- get involved with the games and shit like that it's just it's sick commander's great um yeah, magic's, magic's great. It's the greatest game on earth. As long as they keep doing right by the people, uh, then we should
0: never get bored. Amen. All right. Well, thank you, Nathan. Thank you, Trent, for both coming and having a chat to me tonight. Thank you all for listening. We'll, I think, be back next week. I believe there is another Store Champs this week, and I'm planning to play a Modo Challenge as well as we really sort of ramp up towards RCQs, which start in... I think three weeks now. I believe so. Three weeks to the first weekend. And I believe that first weekend as well has three tournaments on the same day. So
1: so we're going to tour Australia and try and chase that invite oh, after losing round one, yeah?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. 10am <laughs> at Box Hill, lose the first two rounds, drive to Werribee, 12.30 at Werribee.
2: What are you talking about? Come to Bendigo.
0: That sounds miserable.
2: That sounds way better. <laughs> That's much further. I do know a place you can crash at if you want
0: to. Hmm, interesting. i got to say, quick rant, all these tournaments <laughs> are starting at 1 o'clock for an RCQ, what are you thinking? What the hell? It's not great.
1: I think they've forgotten what Magic events are like.
0: Even the store champs this weekend at Greensboro, I don't think I'm going to play now, like, like I can't play because it starts at 1.30. Yeah, it's it's going to be like 4 or 5 Swiss rounds, they're going to start the top 8 at like 7. Like, no, I can't.
1: Bring back 10am starts.
0: Yep. Yeah, the only ones that get off for a pass for, like, midday starts are, like, the regional towns, because, like, yeah, I'm not getting to Warrnambool by 10am.
1: What about the, the sealed that starts at 1? That's kind of a meme.
0: Yeah, I, oh my god, sealed at 1? Like, what? Oh, god. That does not sound great.
1: I have to take the Monday off, I think.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's, oh, it's been too long. It's been too long since we had comp magic events. People don't remember how to run them. Save us, Pog save us Pog see how we go (laughs) yep yep gotta get the paperwork done I'm sure there's lots of red tape around that just a little bit what's he (laughs) yeah what's he alright well we'll be back next week when uh, Nath will tell me about how he he did better at this store champs than last weekend and I will um doubtful (laughs) yeah alright Trent signed us out goodbye
1: Kyle see you Kyle